Oh, hey, good morning, Cornerstone. How are you guys? Thank you, thank you. Well, hey, if we haven't met yet, my name's Raul, and I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Cornerstone. I usually, I usually come out and do announcements, uh, but today I, I have the honor and privilege to come and, and give the sermon. The truth is, Pastor Andy was scheduled to be here this morning, uh, but he spent this last week down in Mexico with our missions team helping out. I heard it was a great, great trip. I don't know, I wasn't there, so I don't know all the stories. I just know one, the, the part where Pastor Andy drank the water in Mexico. And when you drink the water in Mexico, well, you, you, know, you know what happens. Um, actually, I, I think what actually happened, I think, he, uh, I think he ate a taco at the border. And look, there are plenty of great places to eat tacos down there. There's just one place you should stay away from, the border. Just don't get tacos at the border. So Pastor Andy, if you're watching, uh, we love you. We miss you. We're praying for you. And I told you so. You should have listened to me. I told you not to get those tacos there. Uh, this morning, I, I believe this morning is going to be special. I believe that God has something special in store for every single person in this room. And let me just say this. If you're here and it's your first time in church, maybe it's your first time in church in a long time. Maybe somebody dragged you here and you just don't really know if you want to be here. You're unsure of this whole God thing. Can I just say that we're just so happy that you are here. I, I believe that God has something special in store for every single one of us, including, including you. And so Cornerstone has always been and will always be a place that you are welcome and that you are loved regardless of where you find yourself on your spiritual journey. So again, on behalf of the entire Cornerstone family, we're just happy that you are here with us this morning. Uh, before I jump into my sermon, let me, let me ask you guys this question. Have you, ever, have you ever faced an impossible situation in your life? Maybe you're facing it right now. Like, is there something in your life that you just feel like this is, this is an impossible thing to conquer or to overcome? This is an impossible situation that I find myself in. Maybe you know you feel like you're not taking any steps forward, you're maybe not taking steps backwards, but there's just no progress made in this circumstance in your life. If I can share something lighthearted with you guys, uh, me and my wife, we have, we have two young girls. And if I'm being honest, these girls have me wrapped around their finger. I mean, it is ridiculous how quickly I just like, yes, my dear, you know? Well, we're facing this situation where there's just no hope. I, there's just no hope. We have a six-year-old, and this girl does not go to sleep in her room or her bed. She falls asleep on the floor. <laughs> Poor girl. She falls asleep right on the floor, right next to me. And we, I don't know what to do. We don't know what to do anymore. We have tried everything. We've tried everything. You know, if you come over to our house during night-night time, because that's what we call it at my house, night-night, it's night-night time. Uh, if you come over to our house during night-night time, I mean, you would think we abducted this child and she has no clue who we are and she just thinks the world is going to come. She doesn't even believe in monsters. Like she's told me, I know monsters aren't real. Great, then what are you scared of? The bed. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why are you scared of the bed? We've tried everything. We, you know, we try to be loving. You know, we lay down with her, 
until she falls asleep. One, one time, I, I thought I had it. Right? She fell asleep, and I was like, ah, oh, Dad of the Year Award. I'm like sneaking out really quietly, James, James Bond style, you know? And right as I go to open the door, Daddy. Like, oh, my gosh. You know, I had to lay in bed for another two hours before she fell back to sleep. We've tried tough love. I know there's some of you a little bit old school, a little bit old school. It's okay. I appreciate that too, a little tough love. Just put her in her room and let her cry herself to sleep. I've tried that too. Like I, the, the problem with that though is that she cries so hard for so long that she starts to like vomit. You know, and at that point, you know, I... I feel obligated, right? Like, I, I feel like a, a good parent at that point, like, goes and, and takes care of their child. So we don't know what to do, okay? So for all you parents that figured it out, all you grandparents that have figured it out, me and my wife, we welcome any and all tips, whatever it is, if it's a song, if it's a vitamin, if it's a drug, we're okay with that too, <laughs> you know? Whatever your recommendation is, we will do it. I already got a couple after first service. I wrote them down. Some might be legal, some might not be, but you know, I will lean on God for discernment on those. Uh, now, now, obviously, that's, that's something in, in our life that's just a little bit lighthearted. And, and the truth is this, the truth, the truth is that I know that in comparison to other things that I have faced, other things that my wife has faced, things that perhaps you some of you in this room are facing currently, I know it's, it's, it's not that big of a deal because I know some of your guys' stories in this room or watching online. And I know that some of you, your impossible situation looks like a faltering marriage. Maybe it's a, it's a child who you know is just going down the wrong path, a grandchild. Maybe for some, it's a, a diagnosis that you or a loved one received. That is your impossible. For others in this place, it could be a financial burden or a financial situation that you find yourself in, that you feel like you have no hope. For others, it could be an addiction that you wrestle with, that you struggle with. Maybe it's bitterness in your heart. You're struggling with forgiving somebody for something they did or something that they said to you. And now that's just taken root in your heart and it's grown into bitterness. Or maybe it's just, you don't find value to your life. You don't find value in yourself. Maybe you grew up in a similar way where I did. I struggled all throughout school. And I remember very vividly when I got to high school, multiple people telling me that I'm never going to accomplish anything with my life. And after a while, I started believing it. Maybe that's you. Maybe you find yourself in that same situation. Maybe there are things that people have said to you that have stuck with you and took root and now they're blossoming and growing in your heart. I don't know what your impossible is, but what I do know is that with God, all things are possible. We're gonna be reading out of the book of Mark, uh, starting uh, Mark chapter 10, starting at verse uh, 17. So if you have your Bible with you, if you have your go-to Cornerstone app, all the sermon notes uh, were, will be in there. Now, this is a story of an encounter that Jesus has with this rich, young man. And this guy, he comes to Jesus all excited because he thinks, he feels like he has it all figured out. 
He feels like he, he's got it made. And then Jesus challenges him with something that seems to be impossible for him. And as we read through this passage, there's a couple reminders that I was reminded of that I'd like to share with you guys. And so again, uh, Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 27. And it says this, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit in eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. And you know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. And you should honor your father and your mother. And teacher, he declared, all of these things I have kept since I was a boy. And this is the part where Jesus feels bad and challenges him. He says, says, verse 21, Jesus looked at him and loved him. There's one thing you lack, he said. One thing. Go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. The first reminder that I want to share with you is this, that love leads to action. Love always leads to action. You see, we read throughout Scripture that God loved us so much. God loved humanity, every single person, so much. And it was that love that he had for us that led him to the greatest sacrifice in human history. And I believe that when we encounter true, genuine love, we're led to action. We're led to do something. We're led to change something. We're, we're led to be better, become better. Let me, you know, let me give you this example. I, I love my girls. I, I love my wife dearly. And, and truly, there is nothing that I wouldn't do for these girls. I mean, I love them so much. I love them so much that my love for them leads me, challenges me every single day to change things about me. Not because they're going to love me more or less if I do or don't, because I know that they love me unconditionally. I know that I can live the rest of my life the way that I am right now and that they will continue to love me no matter what but because I want to love them better. I want to love them more. It's my love that I have for them that leads me to change. And I just believe, and I just feel like part of accepting the life-changing love that God offers to every single person should be exactly that. It should be life-changing. When you accept the love of God, the forgiveness of God, it should be a life-changing experience. And I believe that there's some people that are left feeling distant from God. You're left feeling distant because maybe you feel like God's not listening to you. God's not there for you. And you feel that way because he's not fixing your problems. You, You keep praying for God to fix your solutions, to change your circumstances, and he's not. And so you feel distant from God. But can I remind you of something? Can I challenge you with something? It's not that God has abandoned us. It's not that God has left us. It's not that God has forgotten about us. It's just that sometimes as humans, 
We seek the power of Jesus more than we seek relationship with Jesus. We seek the power of Jesus more than we seek relationship with him. We want our problems to change. We want God to fix our circumstances. God, can you just change everything around me, please? But don't change me. We want things to change, but we don't want to be part of that change. And I believe that as Christ followers, that we are called to move into a place where we're more desperate for him then we are concerned about him fixing our problems. So he, he throws out this challenge to this rich young ruler, and then verse 22, it says this, At this the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. And Jesus looked around and said to the disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, here's the thing is, you know, the Bible doesn't condemn anyone for for being rich or for being wealthy. It doesn't. As a matter of fact, we, we see all throughout Scripture, we see God using wealthy people in very powerful ways. In the Old Testament, we see Abraham, we see Job, we have David, we have Solomon. Even in Jesus' circle, there was Zacchaeus, there was Joseph of Arimathea, there was Barnabas. So the question is this, so, then, so why does Jesus make this statement about rich people? Why does Jesus make this statement about those who are wealthy? And here's the truth is, no matter how much you have or how little you have, no matter how rich you really are or how not rich you might not be, the truth is that when somebody comes to you and challenges you with, give up everything you have, give up everything, every single thing you have, give it up and follow me. I don't care where we fall on that spectrum. It's going to be a difficult task for any single person. Why? Because it's those things that make us feel secured. It's that house that makes us feel secure. We have a place to live. We need a place to live. It makes us feel secured. We have that savings account just in case something happens. It's, it's, it's the luxury. It's the, the, the opportunity that we have to be independent of God. And that's the thing is when we have these things, we start to grow more dependent on this materialistic stuff. And we start to grow more and more independent of God, which brings me to my second reminder, which is this. That we can experience wealth in different areas of our life, not just our finances. Not just in materialistic things. You see, the the rich people here, these are the people who have the luxury to be independent of God. In other words, they have no need for God in a certain area of their life. And if we're being honest with one another, there are always things that we depend on more than we depend on God. For example, there are times that we depend more on our own abilities than what we depend on God. There are people out there who depend on their social status, and their social status is what gives them their sense of purpose, their sense 
of peace. There are people out there who just live to please someone or it could be a group of people. Maybe you struggle with just people pleasing and there are people out there who just rely on their intellectual ability, their intellectual knowledge. And then I I believe this is a big one. I think this is something that I see, especially working with teenagers for the last uh, several years. This is something that I see big time amongst teenagers. People rely on on their emotions and their feelings. People take their emotions and feelings and they consider those things to be ultimate truth. The way they feel about things, that there's no changing my mind. This is how I feel. And so this is how I feel. This is my emotion, and so this is my emotion. And I'm not saying emotions and feelings are bad because I do believe that they're God-given, but when you're depending and you're relying on your emotions and you're taking those as ultimate truth, we put ourselves in a dangerous position because they're not. Our emotions, our feelings are not ultimate truth. And there are times where we're led by them without asking God to help us discern between our own flawed emotions and his, and his way of thinking, his truth. See, the problem with this rich young guy wasn't that he had all this stuff. That wasn't the problem. The problem wasn't that he had all this wealth, that he had all this money. The problem was that his sense of security, his hope, his peace stemmed from all this thing, his dependence on all of these things. When we depend on ourselves or we depend on other on another person or materialistic thing, what we're really doing is we're growing independent of God. And when we grow independent of God, we place ourselves and everything around us, everyone around us in the danger zone. Because without God, because without God, our relationships with people, with our spouses, with our children, with our friends, with our coworkers, our relationships with people will never be able to blossom to the extent that God intended them to blossom. Without God, we won't ever be able to experience the peace that surpasses understanding, that peace that makes no sense, as Pastor Aaron mentioned earlier. We won't ever be able to experience that kind of peace without God. Without God, we won't discover our calling. And without God, we will always constantly struggle to find purpose in life. Simply put, being independent of God will lead us to disappointment, to heartache, and ultimately to spiritual death. So Jesus makes this statement about rich people. And then in verse 26, we see this. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. With man, this is impossible, but, but not with God. All things are possible with God, which brings me to my third and final, final reminder, which is this, that we can only follow God into his kingdom, not achieve our way in. Like the truth is, no matter how well put together we think we have it, no matter how good we think we are, apart from God, we'll never be good enough. We'll never figure things out enough on our own to achieve our way 
into the kingdom of heaven. You see, this man came to Jesus and he was so excited. He was like, Jesus, I, I, I kept all of these commandments. I'm good, right? Like, I'm, I'm good because I, I, I kept all of these commandments. But the truth is that he was so distant from God. He considered himself to be a good, righteous person, but yet he was so distant from God. And the more that I read this story, the more that I read this passage, I, I realize something. As you see on the surface level, I always thought that this story was just a story of this rich guy who walked away sad because Jesus asked him to leave everything. And so, okay. But then I, but then I think about it. Then I, I, I try to put myself in, in this guy's shoes. And I, I really think about what Jesus was asking. He wasn't just asking, hey, can you just sell your house, sell your car, get rid of all your money in your bank account? He was asking him to give up everything. Can you give up your children's future? Are you willing to give up your security, your sense of hope, the, your way of thinking, your way of doing things, your perspective? Are you willing to give that up to follow me? And I, if I put myself in his shoes, I wish, I wish that I could say 100% without any doubt that I would say, yes, Jesus, everything's gone. Garage sale right now. I'm following you. I wish that I could say, yes, I would have said yes. But the truth is, I, I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is that on a much deeper level, this is actually a story of a rich man who discovered he was actually a poor man with a lot of money. He was a poor man that just had a lot of money. And that I can relate to. That I know I fall short all the time. I know that that person is me. And I believe that if we're being honest with ourselves, which I know that we can be, I know that some of you would say, yeah, that's me. That's, that, that's me. There are things I'm, I'm not ready to just let go of. There are things I'm not ready to just trust God in. You see, life without God is a life without hope. Without God, life has no purpose. Without God, life has no meaning. Without meaning, there is no significance. And without significance, there is no hope. But, verse 27 with man, this is impossible. And then here's the word that my mom would always get mad at me for saying when I argued with her. Yeah, mom, but. Yeah, but. With man, this is impossible. But with God, everything changes with God. With God, everything changes. With God, you will find hope in the deepest, darkest valleys that you will ever walk through. And when you have hope, you will find significance in every single small detail of life. And when you have significance, you will find calling, you will find meaning. And when you have meaning, you will discover your purpose. You will discover who God created you to be with God with man, these things are impossible, but, but with God, 
these things are possible. With God, broken relationships can be healed, can be mended. With God, you can have that peace that makes no sense. It's that kind of peace where everything around you is chaos. The logical thing is for you to just break down and you have no hope. But somehow, some way, you have that joy, you have that peace with God. With God, you can triumph. With God, you can triumph over substance abuse. You can triumph over shame. You can triumph over feeling like you're not good enough. With God, you will find confidence in who you are. With God, you will discover who he has called you to be. You will discover the purpose that he has for you and for your life with God, with God, you will realize, you will understand that no matter where life takes you or what life throws your way, that you're going to be okay. Regardless of what happens, you're going to be okay with God. So if you're in this room or if you're watching online and you know, you know that you're, you need God to intervene you know that you need to take that next step in your relationship with Christ. Can I just give you two practical takeaways? Two things that I believe that every single one of us, these are just uh, takeaways or, or challenges. And I hope this challenge encourages us, but also challenges us at the same time. And the first is this, that we need to step out of just knowing about God and step into relationship with God. My follow-up question here would be, how would you describe your relationship with God? How would you describe your relationship with God? You know, there's, I meet with couples that are having a hard time communicating and they just need some help, just talking things out here at the church. And one of the first questions I always ask is this, how would you describe your relationship? How would you describe your marriage? And it's, you know, I get all kinds of answers, but, you know, it's weird. It's funny because I've never heard anyone say this. I've never heard anyone say, oh my gosh, no, our, our marriage is great. Like we never talk. Some of y'all are like, no, that's great. No, that sounds awesome, actually. <laughs> my marriage is awesome. We never talk. I don't care. I don't really care what she has to say. I don't really care what he has to say. You know, we don't, we don't sleep in the same room. It's so good though. Like, oh my gosh, you know, like, woo, I just wake up every morning and I'm inspired to be better for my spouse. You know, she annoys me. Oh my gosh, I can't stand her at all. But like, gosh, man, this woman is the right woman, right woman for me. Thank you, Lord. I get people that describe their relationship like that, but they wouldn't say it's good. I wouldn't say it's a good, thriving relationship. How would you describe your relationship with God? Would you describe it in a way that communicates? Not forget about communicating to other people, but if you're being honest with yourself and you describe your relationship, would it sound like a relationship that's thriving, that's vibrant, that's full of life? that's life-giving. Is that how you would describe your relationship? Pastor Roel, you'd actually be really happy. I actually read this. I read my Bible this morning. I prayed last week and I actually sang two words 
to the songs this morning. Look, that's awesome. Like, that's cool. Like, really, really, like, that, that, that's really cool. Like, that, that really is, and you should keep doing that. But are those things that we do just because we do, are those things that you live out? Do you do those things just because you just want to check the box? Or do you do those things because you actually live these things out? You see, prayer is how we communicate with God. This is how we talk to God. And if you go to any good therapist, they would tell you, as you communicate with your spouse or your children, you can't just talk, you gotta listen. And so when you communicate with God, are you talking? Is all you're doing talking or are you taking time to listen? When you read scripture, are we, are we reading scripture and, and meditating on it and, and allowing scripture to be our guide and filter for our life? Are we letting scripture shape our perspective as opposed to letting society and culture shape those perspectives? When we worship, when we worship, are we expressing our gratitude that we have for what Jesus already accomplished on the cross for us? Or is it just something we just do here on a Sunday morning? Reading your Bible, praying, worshiping, these aren't things that we just do. These are things that we live out. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, so much for, for loving us, for being here with us and for us, Lord. And God, right now, I just want to pray for every single person in this room. God, you know exactly where they are in their life. You know exactly what kind of relationship that they have with you, Father. And so right now, Lord, I pray, God, I pray that whatever, whatever part of this sermon spoke to them, spoke to their heart, spoke to their mind, Lord, I pray that you allow that part to just sink into the depth of their heart, Lord. I pray that they allow these things to just take root inside of their lives and, and challenge them as they go on about their week, their days, their months, their years, their life, Father. With every eye closed and every, every head bowed, you know, I, I believe that there's some people in this place that would say, I need to give my life to Jesus. I, I, I've never actually surrendered my life to Jesus. Can I just tell you this? That is the best decision that you will ever make in your life. Surrendering your life to Jesus completely, that's the best decision that any person can ever make in their life. And so I wanna give you an opportunity. If that's you, with every eye closed, every head bowed, if that's you, can you just slip your hand up? Nobody's watching. Don't miss this moment. This is your, I see your hand over there. I see your hand here. I see your hand up there. That's awesome. Can I just pray for you guys? You can put your hands down. Jesus, thank you so much for knocking on the doors of their heart, Lord. Father, and right now, Lord, I just pray that you guide them, Father, that you encourage them, Father, that you keep draw, drawing them closer to you, Father. God, I pray that you surround them with people that will support them, that can challenge them as they grow in their relationship with you. Father, we pray these things in your precious name, and we all say amen and amen. Can we give it up for those that just gave their life to Jesus? That's so awesome. Hey, before you leave, let me say this. 
okay? If you just gave your life to Jesus, like this is a huge deal. And we believe that this isn't just a one-time decision or a one-time emotion or feeling or prayer. We truly believe that relationship with God is a journey. And we want to partner with you. And so if you gave your life to Jesus or if you need prayer, you need a Bible for anything, I want to invite you to join our prayer team right here after I dismiss you guys. Come and pray with them. Or if you're in a rush, you can text the word journey to 951-425-4425. We'd love to send you some resources to help you get started on this journey. Guys, thank you guys so much for being here this morning. We'll see you guys next week.